Welcome to the podcast of Amago Day Community, where we are convicted to help bring the whole gospel to the whole person, to the whole world. Join us in this Sunday service as we look to the scriptures, seeking to be transformed into the image of Christ. Well, Merry Christmas, Amago Day. We're glad that you're with us tonight as I. Uh, Parents with young children plan to be awake all night and to wake up at, you know, two or three, whenever the sun gets up and Santa comes. My kids are older now, so they, they don't wake up for Christmas morning. It's a beautiful thing. Um, when you think of the story that we rehearse every Christmas, it's been going on for 2,000 years. There's something about the Christian story that as we meditate on it, it fills sort of these deep requirements of meaning that the world needs. The requirements of like wonder that there would be something bigger outside of ourself, outside of our technology, outside of our political drama, outside of our ever expanding universe that would be bigger than us and more mysterious than us. It fulfills that requirement of truth where if we're really going to bank the weight of our heart onto something, then we want to know that thing, that person, that relationship, that love is true. It fulfills the requirement of security, that sense that we can have absolute peace because the reality that we're living into actually is secure and ultimately that deep ever longing for love. When I think of wonder and the wonder of this story, I mean, it's, it's obviously filled with wonder. So much so that I think for the skeptic or the cynic or the person who's just passing by, it seems a little too wondrous. I mean, if you've ever had a child or been with someone that just has a child, everybody says nice things about a new baby, right? Very rarely do they say, he's gonna save the world that you'd be like, I'd settle for a lawyer, actually. We don't need to get extreme here. And yet here is this story that's subversive in nature, that when God enters the scene, even though there's a, a tyrant king and Roman occupation, he comes to marginalize people through the womb of an unwed teenage mom born in a rural place, and there's actually no place to have the baby, so they're basically in a, a cave-like setting where they would keep the animals at night. That the king of king would subvert sort of the powers that be, the way that we normally go about things. God always kind of turns everything upside down, and so there's this subversion that's actually really beautiful. When everything in our world is shouts and noise and technological, mind-blowing things that we look at on our computers and on our televisions, he shows up in stillness and in quiet and in mystery. The legend that had been told for so many years through Israel's story, that God had not abandoned them, that God was going to come and bring a king that would set up the throne of David forever, that God would send the Messiah, his very son, who would take on flesh and reign over the world. 
And in Mary's story, that fantasy becomes true. It enters history. Which brings us to this need for truth. And when we read the gospel writers, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, in any story that is telling of historical significance, we want to make sure that there are reliable narrators. Just as with, uh, you know, all the drama around the election, the fake news. Some of you are reading that every day going, wow, that seems extreme, uh, and realizing it's not real. There's just some guy somewhere eating Doritos making news for you. Well, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they were given firsthand accounts. Some of them were with them and with Jesus. Many of them, all of the disciples ultimately would give their life for the story that they were telling. They were absolutely convinced. And yet this story of Jesus coming into the world and walking in our shoes, it goes beyond just journalistic integrity. That there is a truth that Jesus reveals that moves, that includes logic, but it also moves past it into a truth that connects to the heart. In the the book of John chapter 14, verse six, it says, Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. When we think of truth, we, we think of knowing. There is statistical truth. There's data, uh, right? There's rational, logical explanations. And then there's sensing. We can know truth because we taste it. We see it. We touch it. And then there's a deeper knowing, a heart knowing that is related to, connected to, in ways that are deeper than logic or explanation can can explain. When Jesus says, I am the truth, he's saying that truth is not a proposition, but it's a person. And it's a person who has come to be your Lord and your King. Which means that if Jesus is the truth, he is the one who can set us free that someone would come from outside of our story that has power beyond what we can do, that has goodness and righteousness beyond what we have, which brings us to the sense of security. I mean, we live in a world where our fundamental need is to secure our lives. We want to make sure that we're gonna be okay, that our kids are gonna be okay, that our city's gonna be okay. And in seeking this security, we look for it in money, in things, in encrypted email accounts, right? We want to make sure that nobody hacks our stuff. And yet there's a security that Christ says that he has brought us. A security that says, ultimately, I think your deepest longing is that you would be accepted exactly as you are. That you would be loved If someone knew everything about you, they would still accept you and still love you. An unconditional kind of love. And so when Christ comes, he lives the life that we couldn't live. He dies the death that we should have died. And he conquers that thing that makes us most insecure, which is the death itself that stares every one of us in the face. 
And so when we come to him, when we trust, when we enter into the mystery and the wonder of this story, we find a security and a peace that since we're accepted, not because we were good enough, but because Jesus was. We're accepted in him. In the book of Romans chapter eight, the apostle Paul puts it this way, therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. For the law of the spirit of the life of Christ is set us free. Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. That means that your deepest insecurities, that thing that you can never quite fix, that sense that you know God's not really okay with you because you haven't done X, Y, and Z, the, the rules have changed. That this is a God that is full of mercy and grace who has come to us in the language of our own humanity. John says it this way, he says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and he's just and he'll forgive us of our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Jesus offers a security that can't be hacked, that isn't vulnerable to even our own weakness. And then in conquering the grave, raises from the dead, over 500 people will give witness to saying they have seen him alive. He conquers that one thing that seems to snuff out most of our hope. That life that is so beautiful, that is so good, that it one day ends. And he ensures that the resurrection can give us a security even in the moment you take your last breath. He says this, the Apostle Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, because we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise us with Jesus and present us with you to himself, and that is a security that God gives us in this story. And that is the security that he wants you to have. And when we ask ourselves like, okay, there's so much mystery and truth, like if this is all true, what was the motivator? Because I know myself in my worst moments and I don't think the upside of getting me as a son is really worth it. And the motivation for God is that he loved you and he still loves you. We're all familiar, many of us, with John 3.16. Even if you haven't read it, you probably saw some guy with a crazy hairdo waving uh, this at a baseball game or something. It says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send the son into the world to judge the world, but that the world might be saved through him. It's this simple enough kind of announcement that God loves you. That's why this story is in play. That's why he took on flesh and moved into our humanity. It's simple enough that any child here can grasp it, and yet its implications are so profound that the hardest hearts of skeptics have been converted. And so tonight we come not to something tidy, not to a four-step process, but to a God that enters into the raw mess of our humanity. That baby in the manger spit up, pooped his pants, 
like really bad ones, you know, the blowout where you're just like, hey, pull over the donkey. This isn't like we got to deal with this. And in the blood and sweat and tears, the violence, the evil, the sin of our human condition, he took it as he grew into a man all the way to the cross, died for it, and then conquered the grave and is alive today in heaven in a glorified body. Now, it sounds fantastical, but wouldn't it be great if that greatest fantasy that you, that has the most amazing ending, where all bad things become untrue, wouldn't it be great if that story was true? And the gospel announcement is that it is true. It's true in Christ. And so tonight, Imago Day. It's not just a tradition that we add and tack on to our Christmas festivities, but it is the announcement, the gospel, which means the good announcement or the good news. It is that God has come in Jesus, that he is our king. And tonight we are invited to receive him. Receive your king, believe in him, trust in him, accept his forgiveness, and follow him as your leader and hope in him as your God. 2,000 years ago, this God came to us in a baby named Jesus because he first loved you. And how can we respond but to love him back? Imago Day, tonight, this Christmas, you get to receive your king who gives you a sense of wonder, the anchor of truth, the peace that comes from being secure in God's acceptance and the love that is unconditional and is yours tonight if we trust him. Would you pray with me? God, as we come to you tonight, we come with eyes of wonder that I pray the little children around us could teach us more about. God, we come entering into the security and the truth that you are a God who is with us, Emmanuel. God, we come thanking you that you love us just as we are, that you forgive us in your unrelenting mercy and grace. And so tonight we receive you as our King Jesus. And as Emmanuel sings this song, I pray God that we could open our hearts and receive you. In Jesus' name, amen. We pray that God will use this message to strengthen your faith and draw you into a deeper relationship with himself. If you're interested in hearing other sermons or want more information about the church, please visit our website at www.amargodaycommunity.com Thanks a lot for listening.